Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Wednesday, September the 27th, 2023. It is the feast of St. Vincent de Paul and the 25th Wednesday in Ordinary Time. Our reading is from the gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus summoned the twelve and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He said to them, Take nothing for the journey, neither walking stick nor sack nor food nor money, and let no one take a second tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. And as for those who do not welcome you, when you leave that town, shake the dust from your feet in testimony against them. Then they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and curing diseases everywhere. So, once again, we are looking at some very basic readings. This is, well, it's a very foundational reading when it comes to the foundation of the church. There are certain questions asked about when did Jesus do this, when did Jesus do that, and it's hard to really pinpoint certain things because Jesus is doing things as he goes in a number of different places. For example, when he founded the church, uh, one of my old professors used to say, okay, he would wave his fingers at you as he talked. Some of you might know him. And he would say, when was the Catholic church founded? I know. Let's look back at the incarnation. (laughs) In other words, God and man coming together in the womb of Mary that's what founds the church. (laughs) That's a very crucial moment because that's what the church is. It's God and man coming together. It's communio, communion, us coming together as family in the Lord. That begins in Mary's womb. Uh, The church is also founded when Jesus dies on the cross and pays the price for our sins. Mary being the mother of the church, suffering labor pains as the church is literally born from the side of Christ as blood and water flow out, the blood of the Eucharist, the water of baptism. Uh, Some people say the birthday of the church is Pentecost, when the church received the fullness of the Spirit. And once again, this is a very crucial moment. You don't want to take anything away from that. But also, I guess when it comes to the ministerial dimension of the church, we have these scenes where Jesus sends out the twelve. There's another scene when he sends out seventy, and he tells them to go two by two. Uh, in Catholic theology over the centuries, they talk about how Jesus commissioning and sending out the 12 is Jesus commissioning the first bishops. And when he sends out the 70, he's commissioning the first priests. Interesting. None of them are officially ordained yet because he has yet to have the last supper when he says, do this in remembrance of me. And he has yet to die on the cross, giving them The power that grants the sacraments, the cross is really essential. And of course, the whole Paschal mystery, his resurrection as well. But here we have Jesus summoning only 12, but he sends them out. So this is probably an earlier reading before he sent out the 70 or the 72. And he says, I get the 70 and the 72 mixed. I think the 72 is what Jesus sent out. The 70 is what Moses Uh, picked to be the judges. Anyway, 
Jesus sends them out. And I guess I should have like a secretary here quickly looking everything up for me, but <laughs> can't afford that yet on this podcast. <laughs> we're not, we're not there yet. We'll get there someday. But anyway, Jesus sends them out. He gives them power. And once again, I say this is foundational because just like I said with the reading last week, if we need a mission statement for the church, we're getting it right here. Jesus summons them, he calls them, and he gives them power and authority. Authority is part of this too. Who is the church to tell me anything? Well, they were given authority by God. Okay. And what is their mission? For all those people that get mad at me when I talk about the devil, what is Jesus' mission that he gives to the church as soon as it all begins? It says he gives them authority over demons. And to cure the sick. But what do people say? You know, well, I don't want to hear about the devil. My kid gets scared. I'm not coming to that church anymore. And why are you always talking about healings? I mean, that that doesn't happen in this day and age. Oh, it doesn't? Well, that's a problem if it doesn't. Because Jesus sent out the church to do these things. To get rid of demons and to heal the sick. And he says also in the midst of this, Proclaim the kingdom of God. These three things go together in the big picture and in individualized ministry. Then there's this section where he says, take nothing with you. And he says it in different ways and the the different ways the gospels present this. Take nothing with you. The worker deserves his payment. It says in other places, stay at the house, eat and drink what is set before you, cure the sick. Proclaim to them the kingdom. But if they reject you, shake the dust from your feet and protest against them and leave that town. Leave the house, leave the town, shake the dust. One more thing, excuse me, one more thing I want to just mention about this reading. They go from village to village and do this. And it says later they were excited to see the fruits of their ministry So there's a lot of good things happening there. They're curing diseases and proclaiming the good news. This curing the sick, that's the third time it's mentioned in this very small passage. And I've been talking about that a lot recently. I attended a healing conference over the weekend and more and more I'm reading things, attending things, and just hearing things about miracles happening all over the place nowadays, both in Catholic and Protestant circles. And... It's people believing that this is normative and saying, just in the name of Jesus, I command this sickness to leave. And they leave. More and more and more, we're seeing this. And even if there's not a full physical healing, sometimes there's a partial healing. Sometimes there's a healing with the help of the doctor when the doctor was very negative about it at first. And very often we see emotional healings that happen through these prayers, even if the physical healing doesn't occur. But one more thing I want to mention about this, Jesus tells them to do it everywhere. And it says they did it everywhere. Now, that's funny because I know they didn't come to the U.S. I know they didn't go to Antarctica. So is the Bible lying to us? (laughs) I think we have to just look at the translation of that word. Very often when there's a word that's like slightly off, we just have to go back to the Hebrew or the Greek or or even the, the Latin uh, in the meantime, you know, because everything was translated in the Latin in the fourth century and see, uh, all right, maybe we have a word that's better than what the English word is saying. Um, so it's just interesting that it was everywhere. But 
I want to focus a little bit on the word everywhere and just how good God is that he's providing so much. He provides for their needs. They have food to eat. They have places to stay, but also there's grace overflowing their grace in abundance for them to go and do this everywhere. It means you and I are called according to our state in life. We are called to evangelize. We are called to heal. Do you hear what I'm saying? You are called to heal. If you are Christian, you are called to heal. One of the things uh, that came out in this weekend conference that I attended was that when God first revealed his name to Moses, he says, Yahweh, once again, I need somebody looking this stuff up for me as I speak. I, I have a lot that goes through my brain and I don't always have exactly all the exact words, but it, when God appeared to Moses, he said, my name is Yahweh. And then there was a second word. I think it began with an R. And when you look up in Hebrew, what does that second word mean? It means God, the healer. I am the healer. Yahweh, the healer. So when God first identifies himself to the human race, he identifies himself as a healer. And then he calls us in his church to be other Christs and to carry on his mission. So it's not simply a feel-good mission. Hey, let's all get together for mass and breakfast. It's not simply a, an outreach mission. Let's go, you know, make sandwiches for the poor. Let's give out blankets on the street. All these things are good. But it's a mission of healing. It's a mission of deliverance. And it's a mission of proclaiming the good news. We could even say these are the three big things. I mean, Jesus did other things. He walked on water and he raised the dead. That doesn't happen. Those things don't happen as often. I mean, we have some saints that have levitated. We've, we've experienced some pretty incredible things in the church, Padre Pio and others receiving the stigmata by locating, reading souls. I think reading souls is a little bit more common than we realize. And, and the gift of prophecy and the charismatic movement, a lot of people have the gift of prophecy. A lot of people think they have the gift of prophecy, though, and they don't. So we have to be careful with that. They're saying, oh, you're going to do this and this is going to happen to you. And no, they weren't right. Not, not even close. Um, but the gift of healing is everywhere. God sends us with that gift of healing. This is essential to Jesus's mission. It's essential to the mission of the church. Um, I think I might've mentioned this before. There's a great book that I have that a friend of mine uh, was involved with this movement. I haven't talked to her in a while, so I don't know if she still is, but they're known as the treasure hunters. Treasure refers to, and this is what different popes have said over the centuries, the treasures of the church are not the paintings and the statues and the, the gold chalices, but they're the poor and the sick and the lame and the children. These are our treasures. These are the ones that deserve the greatest treatment. They deserve it. They don't always get it. Pope John Paul said to the sick in the hospital in Rome, you are the ones who most represent Christ, most resemble Christ in his suffering. You are the ones that Jesus is closest to. So these people, this group of people, they're known as treasure hunters. I, I recommend you look it up. It's a great thing that's happening right now uh, where it's a group of people. And I think they're all over the place now, but a group of people will get together and pray and just ask the Lord for some prophecy. Tell us where you want us to go, Lord. Give us some signs. And they start to write down things that come into their minds. Red shirt, left arm in a cast. 
bald head, boot on right leg. I don't know, just things come to them that are clues. And then they say, okay, let's go to Walmart. (laughs) It's always Walmart, isn't it? (laughs) I always hear stories about crazy things that happen in Walmart. But anyway, they go to the local Walmart after asking the Lord for signs and they look for the person in the red shirt. Sometimes it's the red shirt and the left arm cast and sometimes maybe even the right boot. But they look for those people and they approach those people and they just say, hey, how are you? And they sometimes they're very honest about who they are. Oh, we're part of this group, Treasure Hunters. And we're just wondering if, you know, do you need any prayer today? Is there anything, you know, what's happening with your arm there? What's happening with your leg? We were we were praying and, and we just feel like the Lord directed us to talk to you. And what they find when they do this, now who knows, maybe you could just do this anywhere with anybody because our world is in such a sad state today. But when they do this, when they they get these clues and they go to meet these people, they find out, well, the one in the red shirt was getting ready to commit suicide. And now they're going to spend a little time with this person, praying with them and helping them to get the resources that they need, healing prayers guess what? All these people are becoming Christian as they do this. Uh, sometimes maybe the person in the, the right boot, you know, they, uh, they pray over the foot and then the foot miraculously heals. And these are just beautiful things. That's just one of so many things happening nowadays. Uh, at the same time, I want to address, I mean, this is just a beautiful thing that just needs to be talked about more and more. And we need to try this. We need to be doing this because God gives the grace so much more than we realize. This is part of our mission to go out and to evangelize. But also the whole idea of shaking the dust from your feet. I mean, Jesus wants us to have healthy boundaries. He wants us to be balanced. He doesn't want us to do crazy things. I can recall times in my ministry and even just in my personal life and even just recently where I've spent too much time worrying about or spending time with people that didn't want my help. They didn't want Jesus. They were clearly rejecting the faith and everything I stood for. And yet I still spent time and energy on these people. And I don't know. I mean, I think we have to have a discerning mind and a discerning heart. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, how much time do you want me to spend on this person, on this situation? Or should I shake the dust from my feet and move on? Because what happens, yeah, sometimes, you know, you might have progress and maybe success over time, especially when they're family members. You know, we're, we're called to be in our families and therefore we're called to pray for our family members. And it could take decades sometimes with some family members. And we have to be patient. I mean, look at St. Monica with St. Augustine. But there's also times that we spend too much time with certain people and then they drag us down. Now we're entering into gossip with them. Now we're entering into cursing and drinking with them, whatever negative traits they've taken on, because we have our own stuff. We have our own weaknesses. And this is where we have to be discerning so that we're constantly being fed by positive, good people that are going to build us up and help us to come closer to the Lord and not take us away. The purpose of evangelization is not for the evil one to evangelize us back into the world, but rather for us to you know, be vessels of God and his grace for them. Uh, So that's an important thing. And I I recall too a friend of mine, and and this happens sometimes, people get involved sometimes with some of these prayer movements. Maybe not, you know, treasure hunters is a good thing, but there's other things out there where sometimes uh, 
The people are not healthy. And so once again, that has to be discerned. Uh, sometimes people pick up, you know, spiritual illnesses, maybe a little demon here and there, because they're thinking that everything's good with, you know, some sort of ministry where everybody's praying over everybody else and everybody thinks they have prophecy or whatever, but it turns out they don't. And it turns out people haven't been to confession and there are some demons present. And sometimes a person with good intentions and a pure soul goes into a situation like that and they come out not being themselves. So confession is going to be crucial and just constantly saying, you know, as we say deliverance prayers and healing prayers for others, that we're often doing them for ourselves as well, asking the Lord, please protect me from the evil one, especially as I do this ministry. And we always ask everything in Jesus's name. We ask protection from the blood of Christ that protects us from the devil. Also the intercession of Our Lady, St. Michael, St. Gabriel, St. Raphael, and the Archangels, St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, and of course, any other saints we want to bring in there, the Apostles in a special way too. So we ask our Lord that we understand what it means to be the church. It doesn't mean necessarily that, you know, I don't know, I always say this, and I don't mean to be mean, but... A lot of people get very involved in a parish and they end up doing some sort of a work or joining a group where there's just lots of meetings and lots of discussion about reorganizing the closets and, uh, you know, having a fundraiser. But the real mission of the church at the heart of everything is what we're reading about here in scripture. And that is prayer, fellowship, healing deliverance, proclaiming the kingdom, growing in my relationship with Jesus and sharing that with others. I always remember Pope Benedict's letter to educators where when he came to the U.S., it was a simple little letter that he wrote to the Catholic schools. And he said, remember three things. And I remember I brought this up in a school where I was working at the time and they all got mad at me. Oh man, what a sign that is that that school is not doing their job. Uh, But it's three basic things. He says, number one, you must have a relationship with Jesus Christ and always be working on that. If you're called to do ministry in the church, if you're called to work for a Catholic institution, number one is your relationship with Jesus and that you're always growing in that. Number two is then, and this is, you know, he's describing what ministry is, how, how we do ministry. Number one, your relationship with Jesus. Number two, you share that relationship. So a Catholic educator needs to be working on his or her relationship with Jesus. And then there's a desire and an effort to share that, to say, hey, this is why I love Jesus. Let's talk about what Jesus is doing. Let's talk about what he's doing in your life. Let me tell you what he's doing in my life. And thirdly is to educate about that. When we fall in love with anyone, we want to learn about them. When we fall in love with Jesus, then that leads us to understand more deeply the doctrines of our faith and morals. I think a lot of times we make a mistake because we try to hit people over the head with morals. And guess what? This isn't the law anymore. This isn't the Old Testament. That was ritualistic purity. Jesus said, I haven't come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it. We have something greater than Moses here. So, yes, we want to teach morals, but morals that flow from a relationship with Jesus. 
I mean, it's true. Yeah, a lot of the people aren't going to believe and still we should be teaching morals. But we're not going to have the success unless it flows from a relationship with Jesus. That gives everything meaning. That gives the grace to carry it out and everything else that we believe. So we want to always be growing in our relationship and sharing that with others. Let us, ladies and gentlemen, strive to be the church as it was meant to be. Let us strive to fulfill that great mission that we were given. Have a great day. God bless you.